on our first ever episode of Brainbox Tech Titans, we opted to start with one of the biggest thought leaders in the telecom industry, Alka Asthana. A very warm welcome to the show, Alka. Thank you so much, Kashi. Thanks a lot. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on the show. Once you say that I'm the first one, I'm even more excited. You started your career with BSNL in 1995. I remember that particular year because that is when I passed my class 10 in Delhi. And having a landline then was a really big thing. Uh, you then went on to become DGM in MTNL as well in just about five years uh, and led the 3G revolution in India. Uh, of course, now we're talking 6G, 7G. But what made you believe at that time that India actually needs a faster internet? So Kashik, the journey has been a little bit of conscious choice and also of elimination, honestly. It's been very clear to me from my childhood, really, that I wanted to be a professional. In fact, I should use the word I needed to be a professional. I could not have not been in a journey which was focused, which was leading me to somewhere. And in my times, and you have kind of nailed it that I'm ancient when you say that you passed 10th and 95. And in those times, it was uh, literally not so compulsory for a girl to be in professional space or to be working for that matter or to be studying maths. Uh, the ratio and proportion in my school, girls, I was in an all-girls school, by the way, but those who had opted for maths versus those who had opted for arts was like 1 is to 10. We were 27 girls in maths, and wow. there were, I think, 200 plus in uh, arts. So when I took maths, it was because I could not take biology. I had just done the dissection of a frog, and I was not going to go down that path. So I took maths and then electronics and telecom engineering and then joined the Indian Telecom Services. Mm -hmm. The uh, We are 93 batch. We joined in 1995 and we undergo a very comprehensive training in all kinds of technologies which were present then. Obviously, the mobile hadn't been launched as yet. So the technologies we learned were transmission technology and optical fiber and switches. And I had taken expert training in Siemens-made switch, which was called EWSD. And it was so exciting to really see the transition from those mechanical switches to electronics. We used to have huge rooms which would accommodate the switches and then to very small ones, very effective ones. So that has been the start of the journey. When you say that, did I decide that India needed faster internet? Absolutely not. I was part of a rising wave of telecom. And after nearly 28, 29 years of working in the telecom sector, I know for a fact that this sector has never had it slow and steady. It's always been up and down and excitement all around. But what we called internet high speed then would be really amusing to kids of today. So <laughs> we have kept growing. And I'm so lucky to be part of that journey. I'm really thankful that I've kind of witnessed the birth of mobile and now the 60. It's, it's very exciting to say the least. Fantastic. So you also focused on uh, CDMA operations. And again, I'm pretty ancient myself. Uh, so uh, I still remember the days of Reliance where you have a landline and you can call all the mobiles, etc. It was very popular. So 
slightly going technical, why do you think that CDMA has actually lost the race? So it's not just the technical part, but yes, the technology played a great role in it. It was also the way the ecosystem was building up. Any technology in telecom, or for that matter, in other sectors as well, is a function of how good or how well the ecosystem develops. And when I say ecosystem, it's right from the equipment maker to the user to the last user. Everybody makes a you know choice in that whole journey. And CDMA... When we were operating it, in fact, MTNL had both technologies at one point in time, both CDMA and GSM. And from running CDMA operations, I transitioned into installing the 3G of GSM. And when I was doing that transition between CDMA and GSM, what I could vouch for is the extreme or rather the absolute flexibility which uh, GSM had. So um, CDMA equipments were linked to a number. You could not change the devices. You could not buy another device with your connection. And you know now that the device flexibility is so essential. Right now, if you are given a choice of a SIM which cannot be taken out of your device, our young generation would not take it up, right? Because device choice or device picking up, the whole selection and increasing the complexity of the device or the camera being better, that's something which drives the usage, which drives the adoption. So CDMA had become very uh, restrictive. There was also a big problem which had happened of cloning. A lot of devices were getting cloned and that was leading to a lot of customer problems and wrong billings because somebody else had cloned the device and started using it. So yes, technology did play a role, but it was also the overall ecosystem, which was kind of supporting GSM and we were also getting the latest in the country. So it kind of worked both ways. And uh, so we are, we are looking forward to adopt 6G in GSM while CDMA has kind of lost the race there. Very interesting. You went on to become director of telecom also in just about 14 years by 2009. And I know that one of your favorite projects then was called Housing for All. So could you just throw some more light on that as well? Yes, I was again very fortunate to get uh, a deputation to Ministry of Housing and Urban Poverty Alleviation. That is what it was called then. Housing and Urban Affairs is its new avatar when it got merged with Urban Development Ministry. So that was the time when there were projects and you would have seen a lot of buses which go by the name GNNURM. Mm -hmm. And that was also a mission which was being run by the ministry. And so was these Avas Yojana or Housing for All. I was uh, posted as director for these uh, national projects. And the task was to redevelop slum areas and provide with one room housing uh, to everybody who was living in slum so that they had a proper sanitation and a proper electricity and proper water supply, things which are absolutely missing in uh, in slums. And therefore, the uh, basic requirement was to make sure that everybody has a decent house to live in, electricity, water, sanitation, actually go a long way to provide a decent quality of life to those who are 
in the house. So that was our mission. We did it in very, very close coordination with the last beneficiary, as well as the state government, as well as the municipalities. And everybody was uh, thoroughly involved. All these stakeholders had a say uh, in what is being made, who is going to go into those houses, how the entire process work. And it was a huge learning project. It was it was something which really opened my eyes on a very personal level to what Bharat is, to what the challenges are when you're living in a shanty. It is a very different lifestyle. It's a very different set of problems. You see life very differently. And once you start talking to people who are living in that in that environment, you tend to really take a very, very hard look at what you're doing, how you are behaving with others, how you are taking things for granted. And it has transformed me and I hope made me a better person. It's very true. One of the interesting points though you mentioned was just around how you coordinated with multiple divisions. And I've worked in corporates for about 14 years, even startups for six. And it's universal that getting a consensus with multiple stakeholders is an incredible ask. What are the tips that you feel are critical in getting that? I wouldn't call them tips, but I think these are just my observations and learnings. And uh, everybody who goes through these situations can decide for themselves whether they work or do not work. But what I have learned is that one, the intent has to be very pure and very clear. If you are somewhere trying to be smart, trying to be not what you are talking and you are coming across as somebody who is not sincere, I think everybody is smart and intelligent enough to sense that. I don't think you need to be or a working person to be able to assess how truthful, how sincere the other person is. It's very instinctive. And I think... All humans are capable of doing it. Why humans? I mean, even animals. My dog can really sense who a genuine person, right? So humans can definitely do it. And we, in our overconfidence, sometimes forget that the other person is also intelligent and bears a lens, so to speak. So I think the key is to have a very sincere intent and uh, be truthful about it. And we just passed by Mahatma's birthday, the apostle of truth. And when he says my experiments with truth, it was not to say that uh, whether you should speak the truth or not. It is about how truthful is your truth. I think that's my interpretation. So if we are sincere and truthful, I think stakeholder management becomes, becomes possible in the first place. So that is one learning. The second is that you have to consider everybody as your equal. And they are. It's not just to pretend that you are equal to the other person. But you have to really believe it. Because that's the fact. You cannot put yourself on a higher pedestal just because you've had a different kind of education. And education should also not be restricted by saying that whether you passed 10th or passed your graduation or postgrad and so on. It is about what you are learning from whatever source there is. How much of learning is there? How much of wisdom is there? How much of knowledge is there? And that education can come from all kinds of sources, right? So yeah. the other person, whoever you are talking to, is maybe more educated than you, or maybe has got more maturity, or has seen more of life. 
So when you come across as somebody who kind of tends to put themselves on an ivory throne, that is also very quickly understood by the other person. And then that equation gets spoiled. So I think it's not just a matter of saying that, yes, I respect you or good morning and good evening. No, you have to really believe in your core that the other person is equal to you. If that is something which is fundamental in your interactions, I think stakeholder management then becomes truly a stakeholder management. So those are the two things that I have learned and uh, observed. This is really insightful. So after about 20 years in the Indian telecom services, so what led you to actually move to the corporate side of it? A couple of things. One is that I had done 20 years of Indian telecom services. It had become very comfortable. And so I was looking for a change for a different kind of a challenge. And the other was that the telecom sector was kind of growing big in the corporate world and it was not growing as much in the government world. So government was getting more and more into the policy making space and the regulator space Mm -hmm. and not really into the network space. And I still and I was a lot into into a very technical kind of uh, network rollout, network operations kind of uh, Mm -hmm mindset. So I think that's what drove me to, and also the fun part that everybody who was, let's say in corporate world would keep telling me that you have a cushy job, a government job is a really easy thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't honestly, government works uh, very, very hard. So I think there was this kind of a challenge thrown that because you've been in government for so long, I don't think you can survive in corporate world. And I think somebody would have kind of triggered my ego, probably (laughs) saying that, okay, I can do it. That kind of thing. Yes, that's what made me change. Well, of course, you did a lovely job. I'm aware. So for example, you did the smart city project as well. So can you give us a little more insight on that as well? It has been an interesting journey. As I said, I was part of the housing and urban ministry, and that is where the entire thought of smart city was getting talked about. And so I've seen smart city as a concept also in the government and the ministries. And then when uh, I got the opportunity to work for the technology piece of smart city, it was very exciting. And smart city, the entire concept has evolved and changed right now. So when it had started, the whole concept was that when you are talking of any urban area, which can gain from the entire digitalization of, of the services and whatever gets done in the urban space, it would be a great step forward. Our urban areas are obviously so very populated, so congested, so full of people that there's a lot of management which is involved and it's very complicated. Uh, So if data and its analysis and its interpretation could make it uh, simpler and more effective, That was the original art behind smart cities. We have evolved in both directions. And why I say both directions, I'll just clarify. So what I have also noticed of late is that any improvement in a city, it may be making of a culvert, that is also sometimes clubbed under smart city, not necessarily a digital and an IT kind of initiative, Mm -hmm. but also to the other extreme, 
we have now got drones and we have got digital twins being made for the cities, which was never originally thought because we did not have that kind of a solution at our hands. So it has evolved in both directions. But somewhere I'm also kind of waiting for the smart city concept and the smart city, the actual implementation to really grow to its full potential. It hasn't in my mind. It still has a long way to go. There are very many cities in this country which can benefit hugely if there was a lot of uh, digital insight into what is happening. Safety, for instance, I'm a woman. I have been in situations which are unsafe and which I always felt that I wish there was better amenities or better security around me. So imagine, let's say, a light, a street light. If they are driven and there are sensors which can kind of bring back the status of the lights to a central control room where people can monitor them, you can actually fix a light which is not working, right? But you can immediately go and get it attended to. It can even be done remotely. And then there won't be dark patches in a street. And those dark patches are what lead to so many unsafe incidents happening. And if afterwards, if the police wants to find out who the perpetrator was and the cameras are not working or the cameras have recorded something, but the person in question has already run away, you you can't do anything about it. And then the police is also not able to do anything about it. And so the the entire unsafe culture keeps getting perpetrated even for proper traffic management, proper flood management or water management and so on and so forth. There's a whole lot which uh, digital technology can do and should be used for. If we are lagging behind in making a proper use of these technologies, we have only ourselves to be blamed for. It's not about putting, let's say, a project report in place and say that, okay, this is possible. We need to see more implementations. We need to see the entire society trying to feel safe and secure and be part of a urban culture, which is truly a reflection of the great nation that we are. So that is my expectation of uh, smart city. And Mm -hmm. I think technology-wise, it's there. Fantastic. Where do you see the telecom landscape going in the next few years or probably even a decade? Some more G's. <laughs> Some more G's. Yeah, we are already on six. We might yeah. go to, I don't know where. But yes, telecom is uh, something which is, I think nobody should uh, risk guessing where it is going because it has kind of crossed all boundaries of expectations. So Yes, I couldn't have imagined in 95 that uh, I would be talking to you like this, even though there was mobile. We hadn't imagined WhatsApp for that matter. We hadn't imagined Zoom for that matter. And all that is happening because of telecom. During COVID, the entire point of having a doctor come to you like this without having to travel anywhere, that is through telecom. So any sector that you think of, telecom is the... Uh, bloodline there's the arteries and veins right so True. we'll reach everywhere don't worry <laughs> we have reached moon through telecom so we'll reach everywhere <laughs> and my final question what would be your advice to young indian women who want to become leaders just become just do it 
just do it and stop thinking that you are a woman just stop thinking it we overthink we do a lot of checking with women will you do it will you be able to do it what about marriage and what about kids and stop asking those questions just do it there is absolutely no difference in what a man or a woman can do in fact men can't do certain things they can't give birth but yes that's that's okay but i don't think there is any need for any woman to second guess or to be doubtful yes there are problems but who doesn't have problems it's not to do with being a man or a woman it's just the choices that you have made the ecosystem that you have whether you have a support system or not everybody needs support i'm sure okay. you need a support when you are doing even your daily routine tasks you are looking for support right if you drink milk for that matter somebody is coming and delivering you a milk packet so that's a support so we are glamorizing too much the whole ask of women need support at home in the name of support we are actually asking asking for permission every time which is not right i think there is no need to get so dismissive of your own self or so doubtful of your self worth that whether you'll be able to do it stop questioning yourself just do it and if you're not able to do it you should not blame it on being a woman no that should not be the thought process you're an individual just treat yourself like one yeah absolutely that's a great note to end on your inspiration not only to other women not only to other leaders in the telco industry but to all the upcoming leaders and many of the existing ones as well thank you so much once again for having taken the time out thank you my pleasure stop the recording